Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you for the invitation to gather together week after week. To join in with your with our brothers and sisters in Christ and and to fellowship together around the truth of who you are and what you've done for us. To have this in common that we've been bought by the blood of Jesus. And that we can sing your praises. We can rejoice in your goodness. We can acknowledge your faithfulness in our lives together to one another as an encouragement and a help in the journey. Lord, I'm not naive to think that every person in the hearing of my voice this morning is necessarily in a, in a good place uh, and in a place where they're just rejoicing deeply because there are some who are hurting and who are distracted by the pain and the difficulties. Lord, I pray for them particularly that the truths that have already been acknowledged this morning through the songs and the Scripture reading and the, all that's been said so far and all that's about to be said, Lord, will minister Your truth. will bring encouragement and help in the journey. Now, thank You that Your Holy Spirit is able to take these things, these words, and use them in our lives. We ask that You would do that today, Lord. For it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Over the years, I've had the opportunity and privilege to be in relationship with different people whose lives have been an example to me. Whose, the, who, the way they've lived their lives have, has inspired me and encouraged me. One such individual um, was a person named Dick Burke. And a, a few of you know Dick because many years ago, back in the late 90s and early 2000s, he and his wife Anastasia uh, came and, and did some prayer conferences with us. In fact, I mentioned his wife Anastasia a few weeks ago in, in, uh, in my message. And uh, Dick has now gone on to be with the Lord. But I remember every time I would leave from being with him, whether he was here um, and I got to spend some time with him in my home or, or uh, here at, at, in the office uh, during the day before he would share his, his uh, message in the evening or when uh, we'd go back home and, and, and visit with him in his home, uh, I always left from my time being with him with a, a renewed desire to, to pursue Christ with a, a greater longing to, to know the Lord in a deeper way. And it's not because uh, every conversation I had with him was, was so super spiritual, you know. Uh, we talked about sports, we talked about family, we talked about um, just health and things going on in our lives. We talked about things at church, ministry. We talked about so many different things. But the thing with him was that 
no matter what we talked about, he had an eternal perspective. He had a, a biblical worldview about everything. And it wasn't contrived. It wasn't forced. It was just in the conversation. It just You could tell he just thought about life from God's perspective. And it was inspiring. And it's not that I walked away thinking, I want to be like him. I thought, I want to have the relationship with Jesus that he had. I want to know Christ the way he knows Christ. And I knew it was because he spent so much time with the Lord in the Word and in prayer and, and living that out in relationships with others. And so it inspired me to want to imitate the qualities that I saw in him that was like Christ. You know, it is such a blessing when we have people in our life, and they're probably, unfortunately, very few, but people in our life whose lives inspire us, not necessarily to be like them, but to want to be like Christ. To want to pursue a deeper relationship with Him whose, whose qualities are worth imitating. And in our text this morning, in verses 19 through 30 of Philippians 2, we see two individuals, the Apostle Paul acknowledges, who have qualities that he reveals in this text that are worth our imitating. Qualities about these two men, Christ-like qualities that we see here that are worth our imitation. In this whole chapter in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul has been, been laying out this, as he started in the beginning, about, about uh, this humility of mindset that, that regards others' needs as more important than our own, that puts other people ahead of ourselves. Not that they're more important than us, but to consider their needs before we consider ours. And then, of course, the perfect example was Jesus. And we talked about that in verses 5 through 11. How Christ gave his life in obedience to the Father. And how God highly exalted him. And then he... Uh, he gives us some instructions on what to do and how to, how to work out this salvation that we have because of Christ in our particular lives and how to be light in the darkness. And then he speaks about pouring himself out as a drink offering. We looked at last week in verses 17 and 18. Then we come to verse 19. And, and in this text, he's simply revealing his plan. He's simply saying, this is what I'm hoping is going to happen. I'm hoping to send these men to you. And then he gives us some insight into who they are. And in doing so, he reveals some Christ-like qualities that are worth imitating. So he says, verse 19, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. Apparently Timothy was coming to Philippi, to learn about what's going on there, to bring report back to Paul. So verse 20 says, For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. 
For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also shall be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you heard he was sick. For indeed he was sick, even to the point of death. But God had mercy on him. Not on him only, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly, in order that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be in less concern about you. Therefore receive him in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Basically, Paul is saying, here's my plans. Because, again, he, he's thinking he's going to get out, right? And then last week we said, oh, if I don't, if my life is just poured out as a drink offering, if, if it's a secondary offering upon your primary offering, I'm going to rejoice in that. But I feel fairly confident I'm going to get out. And so I'm sending Timothy to you to find out how things are going there. And then Timothy's going to bring a report to me. But before I send him, I want to find out what's happening here. I want to get the scoop. And once I know what's happening with me, I can send Timothy, and then he can meet me at a certain place and report to me what's going on. But I also want to send Epaphroditus, who was one of you, who came to me from you, brought a gift to me to meet my needs. And as he was coming, he got sick. But he didn't let that sickness stop him from fulfilling the ministry with, with which you, Philippians, sent him. And so he made the journey and he almost died doing the work of Christ. And you heard about his sickness and our concern, so I'm sending him back immediately to you so you can see he's okay and how thankful I am for God's mercy in healing him and using him to minister to my need on your behalf. And then he says, hold men like him, or like these two men, hold them in high regard. Look up to them, if you will. Learn from them. See what is it about them that is worth imitating. And so we want to do that this morning. We want to look at the, the, the Christ-like qualities found in Timothy and the Christ-like qualities found in Epaphroditus. First of all, Timothy. There are two qualities that I want to point out to you that are, that are right here in the text. And the first is a genuine concern for others. Timothy had a genuine concern for others. He says, I have no one else of kindred spirit or like spirit, like mine, if you will, who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, who cares about you with a genuine concern. He says, everybody else is interested in themselves. So Timothy stood out as a rare gem 
among a world of self-seekers, if you will. Paul says, I have no one else that is like this to send to you. I'm sure there were other people around, but Paul didn't have any to send. They may have been out on mission already. Folks like Luke and, and others that were connected with Paul throughout his missionary journeys. And, but he had no one else at that moment to send who was as concerned as he was about the people of Philippi. And so Timothy had a genuine concern for them, for other people. This genuine concern requires putting the things of God ahead of self. It requires that quality that he talks about at the beginning of chapter 2, that humility of mindset that we find in Jesus himself. And so, as we look at this, we say, I want to be like that. So we should be praying for a genuine concern for other people. And then act, and then Excuse me, and then seek out ways to demonstrate that. Somewhat of our problem is, oftentimes, is we sit back and say, Lord, give me a genuine concern. Give me that kind of love. And then we sit and wait for it. Oftentimes, it is in the doing that the heart begins to cultivate. And so we go out in obedience to God and we treat people the way we're supposed to treat them. We obey the Word of God and we obey Christ and His call in our life to treat people that way. And guess what happens? A concern begins to grow in our heart. A genuineness. I'm not talking about faking it for a while. I'm talking about just going in obedience to the Lord and continuing to ask Him, Lord, give me a bigger heart. Give me a greater concern, a genuine concern for the things that you are concerned about, for others and what's going on in their lives, that I might truly and genuinely care about what's going on with other people and not be like the others who are self-seekers, if you will. Thomas Constable in his commentary, says a believer who puts the interest of Christ before his own or his or her own is still today a rare individual. Not all Christians are partners in the work of the gospel. Not everybody who says, oh yeah, I follow Jesus, necessarily is like this. In fact, it is still today a rather rare quality to have somebody who truly and genuinely looks out for the interests of others. Because we are so conditioned to look out for our own interests first. It's part of our human uh, sinful nature. But it is so ingrained in us. Warren Wearsby put it this way. He said, in a very real sense, all of us live either in Philippians 1.21 or Philippians 2.21. Philippians 1.21 says... Paul says, for me, for, to, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Or 2.21 that says, they all start after their own interests, not the interests of Christ. And my, my guess is that if you take those two, we're probably somewhere on the spectrum between them, right? For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain, and to seek after my own interests only. So we're probably somewhere in between 
question is, where are you on that spectrum? Where, which one are you closer to? If you're like me, you're probably doing this, right? You vacillate. In my better moments, I think I'm maybe a little closer to this side, but, but deep down in my heart, I'm probably over here a lot of times. A genuine concern. Deeply care. That would then lead to the second quality, and that's a willingness to serve with others. A willingness not a, oh, if I have to do it, I will. It will look good to others. It will let people know that I'm really a, you know, a good follower of Jesus. No, it's a willingness to serve. Paul says in verse 22, you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. He proved his worth. The word that's used there means just that, something that has been demonstrated, it's been proven, it's tested and approved as genuine. He was willing to serve alongside of other people. In fact, he served under Paul's authority as a child serving his father. It is important that we learn to serve under authority. In fact, I would say that if we can't serve under authority, we're probably not qualified to serve in authority. If we haven't learned how to submit to someone else's authority and live under that, whether we agree at all with everything that they do, we have learned to, to live a submissive life to authority. If we haven't learned that, we have probably no business being in authority because we will abuse that authority and use it for our own gain instead of to serve other people. that we learn to serve under authority. And when we serve alongside of other people, we prove our genuineness and our trustworthiness because when we're serving truly alongside someone, we are dependent on each other to get the job done. We learn to know, is this person really genuine or not? We can impress people from a distance, uh, we look at somebody from far away. We don't know much about them. We see the things that are externally evident in their life, and we say, wow, look at that person. They're really grown up, really mature, really have it together. They really are, are serving Christ. And, and But we don't really know them. You know, one of the incredible blessings of our day and age is that we have access to, to all of this through technology, to to blogs and, and sermons and, and all these things from these people who are uh, so good at communicating God's Word in, in writing or in, 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 uh, through audio or whatever. We have access to all that. But here's the problem with that. You don't know them. You don't know if that person is walking genuinely with Jesus Christ or they just know how to put on a good external. They know how to write well. They're very eloquent in their speech, and so they're able to communicate things. And, but you don't know what their life is like internally because you're not in relationship with them. We have a, a, a prime example of this in the past couple of years. Right? One, of, one of the probably most well-known 
in the evangelical world, apologist, Ravi Zacharias. How many people looked at him from a distance and said, this man is brilliant. He, he has such an understanding of, of, of the Word of God and of theology. He has such a, a way about him to be able to communicate. And, and he just, he's able to call up things so quickly and, and respond to questions. I mean, I just wish that I had that ability. And then we find out what his life behind the scenes was like after he died. So we, we need to be in relationship with people. That's how we find out and we are able to prove our genuineness and our trustworthiness, serving alongside of other people, working together in this thing. That was Timothy. He worked and served right alongside of Paul. And Paul knew that he could trust Timothy to send him out as his, as his representative to the Philippians. Because Timothy had proven his worth to him. Again, Wearsby, he says, the submissive mind is not the product of an hour's sermon or a week's seminar or even a year's service. The submissive mind grows in us as, like Timothy, we yield to the Lord and seek to serve others and with others. This is a process. You know, so many times we, we just wish that we, we could just, if we just listen to a really good sermon or, or, or read a really good book, or, you know, whatever it is, we, we just think there's just some one magic thing that if we get that, man, we, we'll have it. It doesn't work that way. It's a process over time. I would love it, right, if, if I could get up and preach one sermon that makes all the difference in everybody's life. It just, just changes everything. It doesn't work that way. Now, it doesn't mean God can't use one thing to, to kind of get that ball rolling in a, in a unique and special way. But the fact is, this is a, is a process in our lives of walking faithfully, obediently, being in the Word of God and getting to know God day by day by day. Whether you feel like it or not, you do it because you know you need this relationship with God. And over time, you begin to experience the things that that Brooks sang about. Right? The more we seek Him, the more we know Him, the more we love Him. It's a process. Timothy proved himself over time that he had a genuine concern. He was willing to serve with others. Secondly, what do we see in this other guy, Epaphroditus? We don't know as much about this guy. We, we know there's another guy, Epaphras, uh, from Colossae. This is most likely a different person because of where he, he's from and all that. But what we have here is another individual who Paul tells us some things about him. Here's, here's again, here's what uh, the Cornerstone Biblical Commentary says. In this section, Paul commends Epaphroditus, a messenger from the church of Philippi, whom he was about to send back to them, probably with this letter, right? He was the one taking it back. The Philippians had collected a monetary gift for Paul, 
which was brought by Epaphroditus from Philippi to Paul in his imprisonment. In those days, prisoners completely depended on gifts of others for their survival. The state provided nothing. It wasn't like it is today. Thus, Paul was very appreciative of the Philippians' gifts, probably a rather large sum of money, and the messenger, Epaphroditus, who risked his life to get that gift to Paul. Epaphroditus had become very sick in the process of delivering this gift to Paul, but continued in his journey in spite of his sickness, which is why Paul says that he risked his life to complete what was deficient in them. After he reached Paul with the gift from the Philippians, his sickness progressed to the extent that he nearly died. And news of that must have come to the Philippians. And that's why Paul sends this report and why it troubled Epaphroditus that, that, they, you know, that they were distressed about him. So what do we know about Epaphroditus? I would say we see he has a servant heart. Servant heart toward others. Paul says, he's my brother. Right? He's my brother in Christ. He's a fellow worker. He he's probably was you know, not only ministering to Paul in his imprisonment, but he was probably taking messages out from Paul who couldn't leave the prison to go out to the people in, in the city of Rome where he was and, and to minister to them, to take that word to them, to encourage them. He was a worker on Paul's behalf. They worked together in this advancement of the gospel, if you will. He was a fellow soldier not a literal uh, in, in battle, a physical battle, but in spiritual battle. I can imagine that they probably spent much time together praying for all the needs of not only the people in, in that city at that time, but in Philippi and all these other places that Paul had connections with because he'd been there and he'd started churches. And, and he, he always, when he writes, he talks about how he had such a love for them and they were on his mind and he was continually bringing them before the Lord. And, and here's Epaphroditus, a fellow soldier, getting in the trenches together with Paul, doing battle for the souls of others. Who is also your messenger and minister to my need, he says. He's the, that word messenger is actually the word apostle, and it, it means a sent one. He wasn't an apostle like Paul was or like the twelve, but he was one who had been sent on a mission with a purpose. And he went. And he says he ministered to my need. Certainly there was a financial need as, as we saw in that commentary. But I'm sure there were other needs as well. Here's a man who was willing to leave where he was. Maybe he had a family. I don't know. But he left there to, do a, to, to, to take this gift and to minister to Paul. And when he got there, he, was, he fought through sickness and, and, and he almost died. And God, God spared him. And but he continued to serve Paul in, in Paul's imprisonment. I'm sure it wasn't the most ideal conditions. He had a servant's heart. Here's something to think about. You can serve without a servant's heart but you can't have a servant's heart without service. Okay? You can serve. You can do things without having a servant's heart. But if you have a servant's heart, you can't help but serve. You will look for places to serve. You will look for people who have needs. And you'll be willing to go places and do things that 
Others say, man, what in the world are you doing that for? I'd never do that. I'd never go there. Why would you put yourself in that kind of place? Because there's a need. And there's a servant's heart. Servant, a servant who has a servant's heart goes above and beyond. Um, our missionaries for this month are the Stokes. And uh, you, you may or may not have seen their latest blog. If I, I will send it out uh, on Monday uh, to the whole church. But <clears throat> it kind of gives an update of what's going on. But one of the things that has happened more recently is one of the, one of the boys in, in the uh, tribe got sick. And they thought he was going to die. They did everything they could medically that they had the capability to do. And they, they believed this boy was going to die. But he hung on. And so they decided they needed to send him uh, medevac him out to the hospital. And, and the missionaries that are there in the tribe, they pool their money from their support to put in a pool to pay for the medevac. Because these people in the tribe don't have any money to do that. Not only did, did the father of this, this, and this child leave, but Brianna went with them and stayed an entire month away from her family in there to make sure that they were well taken care of in the city. And God has done a miracle there. This little boy, Ande, is now back in the tribe. And the doctors, I, I believe it was, they said, uh, people that have what he had, only, only 10% make it. But here, here's someone who, who went above and beyond the call of duty. Right? Made a sacrifice for the sake of a little boy. And here's the neat thing about it. That father was one of those in the tribe who never went to the teaching. All that time they were teaching through the Carolina, he didn't go. But when he's in the hospital, they got him a, record, a, a listening device and got all the recordings of all the teachings, and he listened to all. He had nothing else to do. He sit in the hospital waiting for his son to recover. You can serve without a servant's heart, but you can't have a servant's heart without serving. And, and oftentimes the evidence of a servant's heart is you're willing to go above and beyond the call of duty. Because there's a need. And you have been placed there at that moment by God to potentially meet that need. And you're going to do what you can. Which brings us to that last point, and that is a willingness to sacrifice for Christ. He was willing to put his life on the line, and he kept pushing through that sickness to the point where he almost died. I'm sure there may have been times where he was tempted to turn back in the, in the journey. Say, you know what, I just can't do this. I'll go back and someone else can take the gig. Or, you know, once he got there, to, to not keep serving. The only indication is he continued to serve as much as he could in the midst of all this. You know, I think as a side note, it's interesting to recognize that here's the, the great Apostle Paul who had healed other people through his ministry. Couldn't just, just whenever he wanted to heal someone. 
You see, healing is always in accord with God's will, and God's will is not always to bring healing at one time. And it's important that we see that in the Scripture because there are those out there who would tell you that someone might have that gift and can just heal however, you know, whenever they want to. There's an, the evidence of the Scripture is not that, that, that people have this ability to just do what they want. God can choose to heal. And he can choose to do that through people's prayers, and he can, that's his business. But Paul did not have that ability just whenever he wanted to see somebody healed to just heal them. And the other thing I think is important to keep in mind is that sickness is not always the direct result of somebody's sinful behavior, which, again, some would, would claim. That if you're sick or you're, or you're having issues, having problems in your life, there's some sin in your life. No, we know that sickness and death are the result of sin. All the way back to the garden, that's all of the fallenness and everything in this fallen world is the result of sin. But one, an individual's sickness is not necessarily the result of their own personal sinful choices. Sometimes it is. But not always. And it doesn't mean that if you're not being healed that you don't have enough faith. <laughs> Paul had enough faith. <clears throat> and so it's, it's important to see those things illustrated in Scripture. So that when we hear somebody who is eloquent and who knows how to communicate effectively, when they say things, we can go back and evaluate it to the Scriptures and see, does this, does this line up with what the Scripture teaches? Because people can be very persuasive if they're eloquent. We need to, to go to the Word of God. Now here's a willingness to sacrifice for Christ. And the greatest example we have, of course, of a person willing to sacrifice is Christ Himself. Who came not just to provide an example, though He was an example. He came to literally give His life on the cross so that through His shed blood, He could provide salvation for you and me. That His substitutionary death, taking our sin upon Himself and, and satisfying the just wrath of God, God against sin, he was willing. He could have stepped off that cross at any moment he chose to. He didn't. Because he was going willingly to offer himself for you and I. These men provide for us Christ-like qualities that are worth imitating their life, genuine concern for others, a willingness to serve with others, a servant's heart toward others, and a willingness to sacrifice, to go above and beyond the call of duty. Bottom line is this, practicing the right qualities will help to produce the right character. When we practice the right qualities, we look and say, I want to imitate that. I want to have a genuine concern. Therefore, I'm going to start being concerned about others, I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start serving and then maybe uh, ask God, give me a servant's heart. Give me a genuine concern. Help me to be willing. And let me get involved in serving with somebody else. I can learn from them and, and together we can grow up. And Lord, give me opportunities to go above and beyond. 
for your glory. Let me, let me conclude with a, a, a little story. There's a young man who serves in elementary school. His role is to, uh, to work with, with children who have particular needs that go above and beyond the normal classroom because of uh, different issues, right? Special needs things that went on in his life. And there was a particular incident that happened one day where one of the children uh, was told to, to, to finish an assignment. And, uh, and they had plenty of time to finish the assignment, but defiantly chose not to. So this young man uh, decided that what was in the best interest of this child is to, is to require them to finish it. And the school bell rang. It was, school was done. Time to get on the bus. He said, we're not finished yet. Now, that boy had missed the bus. He called his mother. His mother was in agreement with the teacher. We need, he needs to learn this. That teacher stayed till 6.30 that night. Before that child was able to do what they did. That mother was in full compliance with that. That was a Friday. And that young man had plans. But he stayed. See, that's what's called going above and beyond the call of duty. That doesn't mean that everyone has to do that in every situation. In that particular situation, he believed that was the thing to do for that child. That's the kind of thing that impacts children long term. That's the kind of thing that demonstrates Christ-likeness in a context when you're not always able to say explicitly the things of the gospel. Oftentimes we think that standing up for our rights as Christians is going to show the world. But more often than not, it's the times when we set aside our freedoms to do what's in the best interest of others and sacrifice our own interest for the interests of others that will speak most loudly and most clearly to a world that needs to see an example of Christ's likeness. And because this text says, hold men like this in high regard, I think it's important that you know who that person was. Every one of you know him. His name is Noah Graham. And I'm so proud of him doing what he believed was the right thing to do for that child's sake, sacrificing his plans in order to show love. And I pray that God uses that in the life of that child, in the life of that, that family, in the lives of those who saw and know what it Father, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you that you, you call us each individually to pursue relationship with you. You give each of us opportunities 
individually to live out our faith in the context in which you placed us. You give us opportunities to show our love, our servant heart, show a genuine concern to serve, to sacrifice in different ways, in different contexts. And we use these gifts as we follow you. Glorify your name. Display what it looks like to know Christ to watch and live. God, I pray that you will work, you will use each of us in our unique places, in these unique times, to lay down our needs, our wants, our rights, so that we might meet the needs of other people so that we might demonstrate genuine concern and servant's heart that reflects Christ to a watching world. And in doing so, we oftentimes earn the right to tell them about Jesus, that they too might know the joy and peace We ask that you would do this work in our midst. Thank you for the privilege of knowing and serving you. In Jesus' name.